Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're back in Ireland, joined by Nicola Byrne, the CEO of Cloud90, founder of uh, Call11890 and chairperson at Riskai. Nicola, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Rain. Appreciate it. Yeah, so typical fashion with this show is we focus on three main areas, uh, early influences, challenges and pivotal moments. Uh, so with you, going to be no different. Although you've got a very good uh private online profile what i mean by that is most of my guests it's easy to find information on you were a bit of a challenge um so i'm <laughs> gonna guess that you grew up in dublin i did i did Excellent. i'm in on the north side i'm a Pomarnock girl okay okay i'm not too far i'm actually just on the border of dublin and me between Rotos and ashburn so okay um talk to me about uh what was it like growing up in Port Marnock, uh, any standout memories from your childhood? Uh, yeah, if you missed a bus, you were trapped for another hour. <laughs> um, standout memories was a uh, small community, uh, beaches, uh, school, dog walking, all good. Um, no bad memories, no no big traumas. Um, School was probably my most defining moment where I didn't seem to fit. I was a square peg in a round hole. Uh, school was fantastic. Principal uh, Pat O'Leary was fantastic. Um, every year on the end of my reports, it would always say, if Nicola could just focus, uh, she'd achieve great things. And uh, it's funny looking back now, you know, that way is that, the, you know, the potential seemed to have been there, but the ability to apply it, well, that wasn't there at all. So uh, it was interesting. Yes, that's the most outstanding thing. If she could focus, she'll do well. Well, you did do well in the end. Um, you, you've mentioned your principal of the school. Anyone from your early days that you think had a, a big impact or influence on you while you were growing up? Uh, no. Um, my parents have always been uh, people who've kind of let you chose, choose your own destiny. So uh, mm-hmm. as, as regards, I get on fantastic with my brother um, I have a, a smaller sister and um, there, there's no big, you know, life was just normal. I don't have any defining people that I followed or wanted to be. I didn't go up wanting to be anything. That was half the problem. I left school at 16 and did my leaving cert at 16 and sure I was 17 when I did the repeat. Sure, my own daughter now is almost 19 doing her leaving cert this year. It's just mm-hmm. a different environment. I was very young. And everything I did, I obviously never thought I could do better. I could do better. And I kept trying to do better. And eventually I found a purpose. And when I found my purpose, it kind of all rocked. So there was no early defining moments. I was just born who I am. And I kind of, I I haven't really changed. I'm still that seven-year-old little kid going, I can do that. (laughs) I'll have a go with that. (laughs) What do you mean there's a problem? I can sort that too. So, uh, yeah. Well, compared to most, I would challenge you and say that you have less fear than most, or certainly you're able to um, be gutsy five seconds at as, as a time, as a saying I like to use. That's but pretty good. You, you've mentioned um, 16 doing your leaving cert. You said you repeated it. Uh, you then went on to make, and if I've got my facts right, £58 a day through a FOSS course. And that was doing, a week. 
Are you a mad? Week. That was a week. Sorry, a week. Okay, <laughs> a wow. Week. Fifteen yeah. pound a week. A week. Yeah, Living for a uh, of what was a day. Oh yes, Boston Valdoyle. It was a great place. And uh, it's funny. It was a customs clearance and export uh, course. And having gone on subsequently to be obviously the president of the Irish exporters, uh, mm. only recently, um, in past recent. Um, it was quite a grounding. I enjoyed every minute of it. I took that money and I went to college at night because we couldn't afford to go, you know, money wasn't available to go to college at night. We were still fully paying fees and that option wasn't available. So work was always going to be calling. I played basketball three nights a week in Colester National League. National League. I went to college two nights a week and I, I did boss and then I got a job in Gatto um, Cakes. And from there, I stayed and then four years later, I went abroad for six months to the States. Then I came home to get my Morrison. Um, then I joined Jacobs and 98FM. So I went to work for 98FM for a couple of months with Dennis O'Brien. And then I left that because I got two jobs at once and I just took one because it was starting sooner than the other. And then I got a job in Jacobs uh, with Michael Carey. And I was two and a half years under his tutelage in Irish Biscuits, of which I can proudly say... I didn't flourish. Um, working for other people be, <laughs> becomes something that uh, I don't do well. Taking instructions is not something I do well. Um, I'll only do something if I think it's a good idea or you're right or it's worth a try. Um, mm. I, I think the problem is, and that's why I work for myself, is that uh, I have no problem with authority as long as it makes sense and it has to make sense to me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can see the big picture. So somebody telling me to do something because they say it and you can clearly see it's wrong and it's not going to work. And you can look forward and go, if I bounce it there, that that that's going to happen. So I kind of think this is needless work. I can shortcut most of this stuff. And I realized, actually, yeah, I was right. I can. <laughs> so it was a bit mad. I was kind of going, there's so many ways in life people kind of want to squish it into holes. And just because something has always been done that way doesn't mean you should continue to do it that way and just because something looks like it can be done differently doesn't mean it could be tried and broken either so there's a fine balance of knowing you know when to kind of push the limits and when to accept and conform and mm. I found working for the people that the conformity was all the time and there was no challenging you know and I grew up in that perfect space where when I was in Gatto, I had one of the very first desktop computers in the country that I learned to type on because only because I was bored. And uh, and I remember thinking, my God, look at the power that's coming down the road for us. So, like, you know, I'm one of these people who still uses a computer without actually uh, using a mouse. So you could still use all the keystrokes because that's what we learned. And I realized that, you know, my kids now come in and use computers, but when something goes wrong, we can't go back. There's no, you know, ma'am, the mouse isn't working. And you're like, oh, darling, control B, you know, it's, you know, that's how you do it. And, and you know, F10, bring it up there. And they, just the ability to work the go arounds that we were there. Legacy issues to us isn't a problem um, mm. because we built the legacy. We are that generation who created and evolved wow. with the technology. So now this generation are just the users of it. They're not participating in the growth of it it's growth in a different way like we had yeah. astronomical growth between 98 1988 and 2010 and uh and my generation just happened to be that age group so i'm 50 and my generation just happened to be that age group that got the bounce of that uh with luck more than anything else so we could see excitement and possibilities and change and looking now being 50 
to how annoying I must have been at 22. <laughs> I almost feel sorry for them. <laughs> I, I really do. <laughs> I'd probably struggle as well to use a computer at a mouse. I'd get by a little bit, but not the F10. I didn't know that. So, oh, there's loads of cool things you can do, you know, that way. And, and mm. there, there's just, you know, once you can control the mouse with, with the with the F keys, then you're you're kind of flying, you know, that way. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, there's amazing. Yeah, what? Go on. Um, 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 well, there's amazing insight that being older gives you, you know, so mm -hmm. I always give the example that being born in, born in 1970, there was a jigsaw that had all the brands that existed um, in 1970, you know, so like Kellogg's Cornflakes and Bovril and Sif or Jif at the time it was and, you know, all the brands, you know, now. And I remember getting to about 27 or 28. And so I must have been about 32 when the four year old went, oh, look, mum, they've just invented golden nuggets. Can I buy them in the supermarket? But they weren't invented. They were just new to her because she was only four. You know, they mm. were invented back in 1920 something, probably. But, uh, but golden nuggets to her were brand new and cornflakes. Everything you see for the first time is brand new to you. Yeah. So it was fascinating that the older I've got and the more you know, people on the team work with me. And when the younger members come into the team, I'm fascinated that I have to forget that I have all this inbuilt experience from trying things and failing greatly. And you can't offer it because they have to learn, you know, that way sometimes you just shut up and, and that's a really frustrating thing to do. But I'm saying that just because I can do it, I can't assume everyone else can see the answer too. And so the, the, the lesson with social media at the moment is older people are thinking, oh, dear Jesus, we've already tried all that. You know, we're here because we tried it and it didn't work. And maybe there's another time to try it again, like a referendum. But most of us have learned the hard way that uh, you can't change everything all the time. Some things have to remain constant. You know, you can't just invent new road traffic rules and you can't you, you can amend the ones you have, but there isn't any new ones really to add in. If there was and they were a good idea, they'd already have been done. So, you know, there's True. less discovery and brilliance to be had now than we had as a generation. So my parents' generations got a little bit of it, but we got the real bounce and uh, where computers and technology changed how everything was made and the possibilities and the plastics and all the amazing things you could do with different materials. That all came into the last 30 years and it's been transformational. But now everyone else is looking to try and continue that last 30 years. And it's not as easy because mm -hmm. the, the breakthroughs aren't as big. So, You've uh, mentioned a couple of people that uh, you worked with, uh, Dennis O'Brien, Michael Carey. Uh, you yourself, another great example of some, someone who's achieved a lot. Do you believe that to be really successful, you got to sacrifice other areas of your personal life? Oh, how do you answer that? Life is full of choices and no two people do it the same ways. Um, if I never had a family, if I never had any kids, um, I'd probably be very rich. I made choices. Everyone makes choices. Everyone makes cho choices to take risk. Everyone makes choices to have family. Everyone makes choices to building relationships. Different people make different choices. And sometimes you can have it all, but very rarely. So in your choices, there's, you know, whether it's your bank balance, um, whether it's your mental health, whether it's uh, your kids and your investment, whether it's investment in yourself, um, you make choices. You only have 24 hours in the day and those choices mm. do end up defining you. And I like my choices. Like I don't want to work and kill myself like I did in my 30s. I'm kind of coming up to that point where now I'm building businesses that suit me and not 
the world and I don't want to live up to anyone's expectations. I have actually taken a life choice. Um, I'm in a really happy uh, place uh, emotionally and mentally and I'm awesome. enjoying my life. You know, just with the friends and neighbours and team I have around me, I'm very lucky. And tomorrow, you know, as we all know, that can change instantly. So other w women make different choices to men and they have different choices to them. You know, men can't choose to have a baby. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. it's not a choice, not on their list. So we have uh, different choices as people to make and we all just muddle through. And then that magic ingredient of luck also comes into it. But, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you tend to get. And sometimes a risk taker can go very far. But then the problem is not all risk takers make it. And so there's consequences in those choices too. So it's complicated is what I'm telling you. So, you know, I wouldn't do things differently and I wouldn't change my life. And if I was meant to be rich, I'd have won the lot of by now. <laughs> <laughs> You're persistent. Uh, you tell some of your early stories about how you would just pick up the call or the phone and cold call people, but be persistent in calling people. Uh, you don't ask for something, you don't get it. Uh, people want to help you and fear only exists in your head or some of the things that you've said. Uh, yep. You speak about uh, why people will continue this. Uh, when somebody does you a favor, they will say yes forever. For anyone who's confused about what I'm saying, uh, I think it's cognitive dissonance. Can you explain what you meant when you said that? Yep. So there is a Benjamin Franklin effect, it's called. And mm -hmm. it's do a man a favor and own for life. If you look it up in Wikipedia, the Benjamin Franklin effect. Benjamin Franklin had a senator that completely disagreed with him. And believe it or not, this piece of psychology is the cornerstone of all psychology in human beings. And what he discovered was he had the senator and he couldn't get the senator to like him, kept working against him really badly. And as a human being, you can't hold opposing views. So you can't like and hate me. It's one or the other. Mm -hmm. And if you're giving me your time, there's a good chance, unless you're forced to buy some power status, that you actually like me, even if you're rude to me or I'm rude to you the whole time. So what happens is because you can't hold two opposing views is you have dissonance. So you have to allay that dissonance and you do so by changing one of your of your axes. So let's just say, for example, I can't love and hate you. So I have mm -hmm. to have one or the other. Um, so I have a book I love and I hate you. And so that's two opposing views. And then you ask me, can I borrow the book? And I will probably say yes. And um, once I do that, either you're horrible and the book is horrible or the book is great and you're great. So Benjamin Franklin discovered this because he asked the senator for a very precious book out of his library. And the senator sent him the book. No one ever knows did Benjamin Franklin even read it. But he returned it with a note saying, thank you very much, very kindly. And the next day they met in the halls of power in the White House. Uh, the senator spoke to him and they became lifelong friends from there forth. So wow. when you want something, you have to borrow something precious somebody. So particularly if they don't like you, because... Mm -hmm you don't want to be disliked. Now this happens to you in everyday life. You'll always, all of us have a friend that when we go to the pub, um, won't buy around. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all of us have it. And uh, it's in everyone's circle because they have worked out that uh, they don't have to because uh, people have accepted them in that format for who they are. So that's kind of like a, a good example of, uh, they won't change their behavior. So, you know, they, they, they don't like, they like you, but they won't buy around. And it, it all becomes tied into that dissonance. And then what happens is 
when you do something nice for somebody, you don't want to change because then you don't want them to not like you because that's the cornerstone of everything. You want to be liked. We're human beings. Mm. And uh, so you're afraid to say no. So the laugh about cognitive dissonance is, so if I walked into a room and hit everybody on, you know, across the back of the head and uh, 95% of people would ask me, would ask themselves what they did wrong. Only 5% would stand up to me and go, what the hell was that about? Um, and it all plays into that dissonance. So it's quite complex, but the simple thing is, is when you do a man a favor, you, you tend to get into the loop of owing him for life because then you don't want to say no because you don't want him to not like you and you've made friends and your dissonance doesn't want you to not like him. So uh, so you stay trucking along the path. So uh, And successful people actually are probably the 5% of people, you know, when you find them business, they'll go, no, <laughs> can I have that? No, you're gone too far, yeah. stop. Uh, the other 95% of us will just roll over. <laughs> so I'm definitely in the 5%, just so you all know. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do, and it's a, a skill because everyone goes, well, just say no. Well, it's not that easy. 95% of us don't want to be disliked. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to stand up. I'm not going to stand out of the crowd. I'm not going to bring attention to myself. I don't have the, the, the you know, the strength, mental agility to, to live on my own and to isolate myself from the community. It gets complex. So uh, I, on the other hand, at this point, as you rightly said, I kind of learned my way through it. And now I'm quite happy to go, no, don't like me, don't care. <laughs> Nice. Uh, <laughs> 10 minutes ago, you were talking about the era you were born in. Fast forward to today, if you could add uh, one subject and one subject only to the secondary school curriculum that's mandatory, what would you choose? Oh, geez, it's already there, Matt. <laughs> okay. yeah, it's already there. I don't think I'd... Uh... Oh, well, that's not true. I'd actually add one more skill as opposed to a subject. And that is the ability for people to do deductive reasoning. Explain. Um, okay, so one of the biggest problems I have in everyday life is when I Google the words mole repellent Ireland. In fact, if you're sitting at a computer and you want to type the words in, you feel free. And I want you to Google mole repellent, M-O-L-E. This is a little furry creature, lives underground, you know, cuddly little fella. And tell me what you see. What you're going to see is you're going to see loads of products for selling mole repellent. Now, if you go further down that story, there's a story that says B&Q blindingly obvious, uh, something like that in the headline on Google. I'm not sitting in front of my computer. Um, mm. And the reason that story's there is because there are no moles in Ireland and B&Q got into huge trouble because they brought their listings from Manchester uh, to Belfast and sold 350 grand's worth of mole repellent. So deductive reasoning and believing that everything on the internet is fact, right, is just complete rubbish. We have no moles, and we have no moles because 10,000 years ago, there's a mile of ice above your head. And the nice professor, when you go down to the BBC story from Queens, explains that after the last ice age, the sea rose, the ice melted, and the moles and snakes never made it to Ireland, never moved that far north. He explains the migratory, you know, habits of animals that don't want to live underwater, which are moles and snakes, and they never made it here. So the island of Ireland exists, and there's no moles. But there's nobody could get to that fact. Like, how would you even begin to find out that truth? Yeah. Because you're not an expert. So you need to teach people deductive reasoning. Now, some people call that fact checking. You know, no point telling you a mile of ice was above your head 10,000 years ago. You don't care and you don't want to know. And if I even told you that was an interglacial period, that this happens every 100,000 years that a mile of ice appears above your head in Ireland, you're even less than interested because 
you don't need to be told that 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 affects your cognitive dissonance and the narrative you're currently hearing in the world so you don't want to know the facts so i need you to be able to do the mold stuff for yourself i need you to have deductive reasoning and in order to keep you safe and protect your own mental health it's really important that when people we trust say things to us that we don't take it on face value that we have the skill to go off and no matter what level of academic achievement we've ever reached we don't want to unpick nuclear science fair enough and we have to trust experts somewhere but we have to be able to work out some form of reality uh, to, to combat the fantasy land that is the internet and if we don't get that skill so if you're asking me to give the kids of tomorrow a skill i want to give them the skill of deductive reasoning because i don't want them frightened i don't want them um alarmed i don't want them living in fear this world is a fantastic place there is bad people and bad things that do happen mm -hmm. but it's not the rule they're the exception and most of us get through a day without being mug shot or killed and yeah. we, get, we, we go to the supermarket every day we return safely there's known risks we know that car car crashes are dangerous we know the risks and we mitigate for them as a society so the idea that the world is full of people trying to kill you with their cars is is not a true a truism. It is just not. And so I need you to have deductive reasoning. Ireland is one of the safest road safety records in the world. I think we're number two. If we're not number one. So, oh, didn't know that. And, and no, because nobody's interested in deductive reasoning and the facts. And so what we get is I'm forever turning off the bloody ads from the RSA. I forever turn them off. I find them so distressing because it's not that I want to avoid reality. I've been in a couple of car crashes. I know how bad it gets. Mm. And uh, but I don't I don't want to remind it. You know, I do want to do a yeah. little bit of delusional selling to myself to protect myself. So skill for the school grounds, I'd like to go into all schools and teach kids the skill of when the teacher says, like, I know in my geography book, there was mold. What I was never told my whole way through my geography classes, I was never told they didn't exist in Ireland. That's the best answer to that question. I've asked that to probably the last 65 guests, probably three of them, and you've given the best answer. Um, three more questions for you. One is, okay. uh, what continues to, or what's your favorite aspect of leading a company? Oh, you get to pick your own team. Okay. And you get to you get to live like a child a little bit in that you can build your dreams and you can build the dreams of those around you with it. So you can take ideas and turn them into reality. And it doesn't matter, you know, who on the team or what skill set they possess. If they've got a good idea and there's time and particularly in the type of organization we're building now is we get to put almost the feelings and the kindness first and then see if we can make the reality match it. So I feel that we could do better if we did this. And, you know, that's and I'm saying, well, you're good for digesting your food now, love. It is not for <laughs> it's not for coming up with ideas. And then you go, well, I just feel it. I know. I think the client would like this. And the great thing is you get the leeway when you work for yourself and with your teams mm. to go, hey, fine, go on, have a go. What's the difference? Sure, if we lose five or ten grand on it, it'll be nothing compared to all the money I've lost failing along the way. Go on, have a pot shot, have a punt. You believe in it, have a punt. And it's kind of nice because then people go, you know, they have the leeway to learn and trial and error for themselves. And that is the best yes. bit about leading. For sure. I love the create I love the creative freedom in, in working for myself and the time to 
choose when and where you want to work. Um, Isn't it magic? And, and then the thing is, you get to push yourself, and it's it's that self focus that you're possessing is a uh, is only brought about by confidence. You know, the way trusting yourself to make your own decisions. So we only ask a man advice when we already know the answer. <laughs> you're uh, full of great one-liners. I know. I've got a stack of them. <laughs> I have an app that I log into to schedule an hour for the gym you can go to the gym for an hour where i'm from you can book it for an hour and i looked at the chart and it was at peak fullness uh between the hours of five o'clock to ten o'clock at night between six and seven and it's great running your own business because you can just pick i'll go at 11 o'clock in the morning yeah when there's only the oaps in the gym and i get the whole gym to myself that's so fantastic it's, yeah. it's brilliant uh, well, I think that is the future of work now, actually, as we're going that direction. Go on, ask yeah. your question. Yeah, I do think that's going to change now. I think we're going to all reevaluate ourselves after this pandemic. Just working from home or having a flexibility approach? No, or uh, building our world around us, you know, building a better quality of life, not being dictated to, you know, still being able to meet the needs of the business while building your life around it. Um, I think it's going to be a lot more flexible. I know I probably in the last the first six months I probably didn't do much work because I have no idea what was all happening with all the kids and everybody at home and the last six months things have gone really well and we just you know we're just going well and we set a plan last year and we've implemented it this year and it's slow and we're not where we'd like to be we should be way further ahead but I think loads of people are going to take that quality of life moment that you're having and I think we're all going to still succeed and I think Ireland have bright educated people and I think we're going to be world leaders in the flexibility piece. I think that's what Ireland can offer. So we did the smoking ban and the ban ba the, the bag ban. I think the next big thing is flexible working, like real flexibility. Yeah, so, uh, I, I hope, I hope. I see a lot of people still, particularly my age, I'm 28, talk about uh, that you need to work 16, 17 hours a day. Oh. Sleep isn't important, and I, I disagree with that. I think oh, I sleep, sleep. It, it ranks number one on, on everything for me. Yeah, um, me too. Don't but, sleep, don't function. Exactly. Um, two final questions are, one is, uh, I'd like you to imagine it's the year 2030. We're talking now as if it's 2030, and you're looking back on the last decade. You can answer this personally or professionally or both. What would you like to be looking back on? Oh, my God. What would I like to be looking back on? I don't want us to become polarized. So that bit about deductive reasoning, I want an Ireland that basically doesn't hide behind screens, that we stop all moving into single ownership houses, that we all learn that, you know, human beings thrive best when they're in a community. Um, so I want people to not hold extreme views and with deductive reasoning, they can basically find middle ground saying, I don't agree with you, but there's a gray area in the middle. Life isn't black and white. I'd like us to found the gray. I'd like Ireland for the next 10 years to live in the gray. Not be afraid to question things is what you're saying. Not be afraid to question things, um, but agreeing that there's always six sides to every conversation and that okay. no one holds a democracy on the truth. Mm -hmm. So there's no point saying, well, it's my truth. Well, it isn't clearly your truth. It's everyone's truth. And you're forcing me to live it. You know, so all this nonsense about forcing and, and the choices the governments are making on forcing spends to those who shout loudest with ideologies that can't sustain it. Um, I think Ireland has a huge amount of good. I think we've everything to lose. So if the 10 years go well, we will be where we are now 
and everyone, the tide has risen for everybody and we have fixed a lot of everything. You know, more houses, more everything, people minded, more college, more education, more travel, more of the good things. I do not want to see in Ireland that becomes polarized into like the states and the internet has the power to do that. So I'd like to be able to look back and say, we all yeah. put down the screens and sat in the pub together and we aren't out in the back of a piece of paper what the plan looks like for the next 10 years. Not we out shouted each other and I gave you the truth and I took what I wanted because I had the power to do it. Don't want to see so. people abuse power. I think there's good things ahead. I think there'll be a bit of a blip, but I think we're a strong enough little nation. And the problem is we are little. Like today we have, you know, a president of America talking for Ireland. Not sure I'm happy about that either. You know, I know we're only four and a half, five million people, but we're still here. We have our own loud voice. You know, we're a grown up too. We can speak for ourselves. So yeah. uh, don't want anyone speaking on our behalf. Want to maintain our, our kindness and our democracy. Um, don't want to be ordered about. Don't want to be controlled. Don't be told what to do. And don't certainly don't want to be told what's good for me. Well, uh, with certain topics t these days, you feel like uh, you've got to be a strong person if you want to have a choice. Um, but what I was going to say was, you've mentioned media. I, uh, I I worked in sales for years, and I always wondered why salespeople were never on any list for like the, the best of this, the best of that. So I Googled it one day, and salespeople are on one list, and it's uh, the top 10 for the top 10 jobs of the most common places where organizational psychopaths work but the, <laughs> the, the very very top of that list is is me is media people so uh, uh that's damaging but yeah i well, I, I celebrated for a moment we we, we were number three behind oh, okay. media and lawyers oh god that's not a good thing is it yeah no. yeah yeah, so let, 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 well, let's hope in 10 years that, uh, like, there's only one degree course in the whole country for sales. Mm -hmm. That is DIT. the shocking thing. Yeah, and, that, and it's only one in the whole country. One of my biggest so, gripes. Fun fact about that. Yeah. My, uh, my, my father was one of the people who set that up. Oh, my God. What is the chances of that? I love this yeah. country. Congratulations. Well, wow. Well, that's an incredible achievement because... I can't get anyone to listen. You know, I don't really have time to keep popping back at it. One of the biggest problems with doing STEM subjects is everyone keeps citing how all these women are in technology because they're in Microsoft or IBM or whatever, but they're not in there as programmers. They're in there mm. as sales and account management. And you're thinking, well, then why don't we have a degree in that for the girls? So if the boys are going to go code and that's to their natural ability, and I'm not saying girls can't go code, there is girls who love to code, but the majority of girls are in mm -hmm. sales and they're in accounts and they're in other things. Human resources is huge for females in tech. But, you know, this idea that you're doing STEM because you have to be techy, girls like to talk and sell and, you know, different set of skills, just different set of natural abilities. Mm -hmm. But we keep trying to pigeonhole them into being men. I'm not happy about it. So I want more sales course. And I think the reason we don't see many sales degrees is because men didn't want them. They actually make for better salespeople, according to uh, facts. Yeah. I've asked a lot of top sales leaders this as well. Actually, I'm going to change my last question because this came up in a conversation that you were part of in 2016, and you said uh, equality was the biggest challenge facing Irish women in the workplace today. Do you think we've improved since then? And what do you think, what, what do you hope the future looks like in an ideal scenario? I think the future is going to be harder because. I have a, I have two girls, uh, 19 and 23, um, mm -hmm. 
and they they give out to me at the kitchen table. So dinner over COVID has been um, starters, main course, dessert, row every night. <laughs> and I mean, without fail. And and the eldest one in particular, she's just got a degree in politics. She's probably coming out with a first. Incredibly bright, brilliant young wow. lady. And I'm very proud of her. But we agree on nothing. And and it's and it's agreement because I've lived, as I said, you know, when you're double her age, you've lived the experience and uh, and she's yet to meet the experience. And so when it comes to conversations about equality and and gay rights and gay marriage and blah, 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 blah. I'm all for voting for anything because I don't get a right to force my views on anyone else. So what everyone anyone wants to do, as long as it's not dangerous or causes harm, you know, and as long as it's always fixable. And I have no problem with letting people live. You know, I'm, I'm not talking, so, you know, that is not saying you can go off and, uh, and, and take loads of bad things and then harm other people um, and cause consequences, unseen consequences. We do have to have a little bit of societal norms. But in general, I'd be incredibly liberal. Um, I have never experienced, um, how would I put this, harassment. Um, uh, of the nature that the Me Too people are out there with, but I'm absolutely sure it goes on. Um, mm -hmm. I have never experienced... Uh, I'll tell you what I have experienced. I have experienced people walking into the room and, and ordering me to get them a cup of tea, assuming I was the hired help <laughs> at senior meeting levels because I was in the room, probably not dressed the best, but that shouldn't matter, as my daughter says. And I have experienced that natural assumption that, well, if you're there, you must be there because you're the... I had one experience where a company uh, asked us out to um, an event. And then when I got there, they went, is your dad not coming? And I was like, what? And my dad, I employed my dad. And uh, I was like, no, my dad's not coming. And they went, uh, well, why not? And I just didn't answer. I just ignored them. And then they came in for a meeting and I took the meeting with my brother, who also worked for me. And uh, and then again, he says, where's your dad? And I was saying, like, you're very keen to meet my dad. I said, no problem. You're meeting him. What do you want him for? He goes, well, I'd like the decision maker to be in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> and I was like, I think the meeting's over, love. And out he went. And, uh, and my brother went, I didn't think that still happened, in, you know, in, in, in 20, whenever it was. So about mm -hmm. 2012. And I was thinking, neither did I, actually. It's the first time I ever noticed that I was a girl. Because to me, in my own head, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just filling a space. The, the, uh, I, I didn't see myself as anything. I was just running around as me. It was such a shock mm -hmm. to discover he just didn't see me. And, well. uh, but that, that, that happens periodically as a girl. But, you know, men are discriminated just as much for other reasons. So, uh, so I think everybody meets some form of discrimination. I don't think it's an inherently female-only issue. I think you know men bully other men, women bully other women. I think there's a huge amount of things we are going to have to get a handle on, and accountability is going to be at the back of it all. Um, I'm not really sure of the direction of travel at the moment. It needs to come back to more consensus-driven than and some of the stuff that goes on on the internet um, without any basis in fact or reality. Everyone's taking offence and angst. And I am very concerned that, of course, you can take offence at anything. Um, but again, if you had a little bit of deductive reasoning, you'd be going, well, it's not really important. So you have to kind of give everyone the ability to work out what's important. We all agree what's important. So what's amazing about Ireland is we do have the ability to have our little uh, referendum um, 
what's the thing we set up where uh, the citizens assembly um, you know where we agree on what's important and we go in and have and try and have a reasonable chat and um, it works for some things it's not going to work for others it's not sophisticated enough for technical science things um, but that's the kind of thing we should be aiming to do you know placing experts around the place to help us on the journey as we move from darkness into light in terms of knowledge um, but it's hard because a lot of things have become politicized and people hold a political view as opposed to a fact of the world view and they use their education and ability against those who have none in order to gain some status so do i think equality is going to be an issue for the future um I think equality is too narrow and just male, female. I think equality is going to become more relevant to all of us as individuals and asserting what that is and what that means to us um, is important. And I think when they are looking at the constitution again, um, they will have to address the equality of an individual as opposed to a woman in the home. You're a very good speaker. Their own right. Thank you, Reen. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have a talent. You, you've got you've got good one-liners, and 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 your 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 wall is down. Um, yeah, and you can hold your own as well. So you're. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if, if you do keynote Practice. training. But, but if you don't, that, I do. Oh, I, well, I, I won, at one point I had to stop because I, I was getting paid more money doing keynotes than I was doing uh, my own job. And attempting it, it is and wonderful as I enjoy it. Um, I had to stop because I need to focus. And I like what mm. I do now. We actually help a lot of people now in the stuff we do. So I'm very happy. Excellent to hear. Well, look, we'll leave it there for today, Nicola Byrne. Uh, I've had a great pleasure in chatting to you for the last 35, 40 minutes. Uh, and uh, Let's hope there's a bright future ahead. But for today, we'll, we'll end it there. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Reen. Appreciate it.